Welcome back to the Let's Call It Nothing podcast, where we discuss all things fangirl. We are back today with more Akamath. And we are flagging. We are tired. I'm what kind of tired, tired is the sensation I feel right now? I don't know either. Well, I know a sensation Peyton's feeling. <laughs> I have a Ooh. sinus headache. Woo. Sharif is a ball of laughs. I haven't had my um, tension headache this week yet, so... Every I'm apparently getting it for you. <laughs> every Friday when we record, they're always one of them says, "I have a headache," and the other one says, "Me too," and they give me a headache at the same. <laughs> Here you go. Time. Here you go. <laughs> no, I'm too I'm too far gone for that to affect well, me. Considering I woke up at 1:30 a.m. the other day mm-hmm. with a split, like I felt like I was being stabbed right here, right here's trying to hurt right now too uh-huh. between my eyes. Right up above on my forehead, I felt like I was being stabbed. And whenever I closed my eyes, it felt worse. And I was like, this is cool. Love this. Yeah, great. Thankfully, my work day wasn't that bad. I didn't have to deal with children all day. If I had, I would have been DD dead. Barely got any sleep because I had to get up and take some medication. And decided I had to pee. And then I literally felt the medication going through my body and like numbing things. As I was laying in my bed. Have you ever just like sat and felt your medication yes. at work? Like, <laughs> this is a weird sensation. Yeah. Well, speaking of sleep and dream stuff, it was, I had a dream the other night. It was another one of those that if I woke up and went back to sleep, it continued. But I was doing something physically within the dream and I woke up sweating from doing it. <laughs> I was like, huh? I did have a dream that night that involved murder, but it was because I'd listened to a podcast earlier in the day. So. I was at a concert in my dream, but then also that led to somehow being on a trapeze wire and uh, I was sweating. Yeah, that's how my, how my dreams go. <laughs> so anyway, Aquamath, what is the last thing that happened? What happened last time? You were the last one to read. We're going to we're meeting the queens. Yeah, they were planning. Oh, yeah. They were were planning to go to the summer court. They planned a lot of things at once, and then we're just along for the ride. (laughs) Me rereading this, I'm like, we're going here. No, 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 we're going here first. Also, also, Cassian is not allowed to go to the summer court because of reasons. They don't don't specify as to why he can't go to the summer court. So we're starting out with chapter 32. Cassian failed to weasel his way into the trip to the summer court. As we just said, this left just Reese, Feyre, and Amran to venture out. So they go to the summer court and they arrive to its city called Adriata. Is that what we're calling it? Yeah, that's how I was going to pronounce it. Um, how would you describe Adriata? Reba. I read this book over a month ago. I don't even remember her. <laughs> okay, so like summer court, summertime is right. yeah, really bright, uh, water esque mm-hmm. land. Maybe kind of beachy. I'm honestly kind of pulling for an Asian type. Oh beach. I'm gonna, okay. I'm gonna get into that a little bit later. A stone palace. Yeah. Perched up top a mountain island in the heart of a half moon bay. A sparkling sea. Buildings all made from stone or glimmering white material that might have been coral or pearl. So it's really pretty. Lots of ships. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Once they arrived, they met the High Lord of the Summer Court and his courtiers. We got Tarquin, the High Lord of the Summer Court. He's a hottie. He is a hottie. There's a lot of hotties. A hottie with a body? <laughs> a 
Oh yeah. Does have a body. Yeah, but he know he had a body too. Yep. Okay, so he is the one I specifically think of East Asian. And I don't know why I got this feeling. Like I don't think it's specifically said what he looks like other than like he is brown skinned and white haired and all that jazz. But I just always kinda imagine him more Asian because of if you were dark skinned with white hair, that's just what I imagined from all the anime and cosplay and you know live action films I've watched I guess but he's a hottie with the body so and you know he had a body yeah but I just imagine Tarquin is that way and I'm sure not a lot of people do but that's just how I see him See, um, unfortunately, I get Tarquin and uh, Helion confused. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, it gets really confusing in my brain. Damn. <laughs> That's really confusing. Even right now, I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> Hell, if you if you're curious, um, Helion's like the high lord of like the day court, or is it dawn court? Day day court. I mean, yeah. that would make more sense because Helion, Helios' son. Sometimes I'm reading some of SJM and I'm like, well, she didn't have to reach too far for that one, did she? because people like me who don't know things feel very smart whenever we're like, oh, I recognize that word. I know what that means. Mm -hmm. We'll get to it later when we find the orb that Moore's talking about. Oh, yeah. Um, And then... Okay, it says, describe the bond between Tarquin and Feyre. Yeah. So... There's this kind of thing because of how Feyre came to be Faye. Yeah. Feyre became Faye. Um, where, you know, the High Lords gave her... Her powers. Yeah, they gave her, her their... Life. Yeah, their abilities. So there's this kind of bond. Yeah. And it's kind of like they remember each other through these powers. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, they haven't really met in person. Mm-hmm. But, like, there's just an instant connection. Yeah. And isn't Tarquin new to the High Lord position? Yes, he is. Okay. His cousin his cousin was murdered and he became High Lord. Yeah. Um, the High Lord stared at Feyre for a minute and then he looked down at her chest. Rhi said something about how great her boobs were. Feyre realized she had to act like Amran and Reese. So, at this point, Amran and Reese are both putting on the Night Court facade. Mm-hmm. Or, like, they're cool, cold and calculated and like just not caring of others they don't have a bond with each other it's just like oh people ew like you're all beneath me kind of thing fair equipped about reese much preferring her mouth over anything else on her body tarquin said she surely had a a story to tell then they all went inside to talk so inside, Pharaoh was introduced to the prince and princess of Adriata, and that is Varian is and, the prince. Um, Cressida? Yeah, something like that. I never refer to her in the notes as her name. I know I had to go put her in there because you never refer to her. There was a uh, yeah, Cress Cressida. Because I don't want to. And say her name. Do you know how hard that is to say? There was a character I think with that name in the Hunger Games. I don't remember. And that they say Cressida. I think. Cressida. Yeah. But they're the prince and princess of Adriata. You said explain them. So explain them. Okay, so Varian's like I'll only do Varian. Um <laughs> Varian is like a you wouldn't think of him as a prince, 
because he's more of like a general type character. Like he's always thinking of fighting or, you know, like he's always very strict, very stern. Also, can I go ahead and say it? I want to say it. He's kind of got the hots for Amran. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like... He hates her. He thinks she's a security threat, but he's yeah. kind of into her. Which I love. I, their dynamic is fun. I want I want a side story of like their relationship as it blossomed. He's like, you're a security threat. You know, you're dangerous. And he's like, I kind of think you're really hot. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you can describe the princess. I don't know. She's pretty. She's pretty. Pretty enough. Uh, make favor think she has Reese's attention later on so yeah that's all I got on her um Tarquin and Feyre started talking he asked her about being an immortal now and what she was doing in Reese's court Feyre responded honestly she didn't know Reese interrupted saying that she was his emissary to the mortal realm the princess asked if there was much contact between the night court and the mortal realm Reese informed them of the impending war with Highburn and how he wanted them to be prepared for it Tarquin said he had no trouble fighting Highburn but he would not go to war with them over Feyre okay so he's fine with going to war with Tarquin or no he's fine with going to war apparently you are too Feyre <laughs> <laughs> over like with Hybrid. But he's saying he doesn't want to go to war over Farah against Tamlin. Okay. He doesn't want a civil war, is basically what he's saying. Okay. They make it vague in the notes, which is kinda why or in, I know, in the book. I was so confused. I saw your notes. I, I saw the book. I thought I was it was like, pretty clear in the book. <laughs> well, Reba, you should have helped out with this. Yeah. <laughs> Reese said he never considered it. Vera thinks of how it be, would be impossible for Tamlin to go to war for her. She explained to the princess that it was her decision to leave and Tamlin wouldn't do that for her. The princess warned her that it doesn't matter. Vera was once his bride and the Tamlin. Tamlin told the summer court to take her to them. They would have to obey to avoid a war them. Tarquin said the princess had to sacrifice a lot and not to take her caution personally. I don't know if we ever figure out what all Cressida has been through to get. No. For her to get this baggage. I don't think we do because Farrah sees her as a homeworker. Homeworker. She reckons she said Valeris ain't at home. Oh. Oh. Farrah. You got a rebuttal, madam. Grace told him that everyone made sacrifices and they were only here because of the sacrifices that Farrah had made. He warned if anyone tried to take Farrah back to Tamlin, he would kill them. Tarquin insisted that Reese not threaten him in his own home. So imagine Tarquin being the new guy on the job and trying to be all like big and bad to Reese who's been around for 500 years. Mm -hmm. I just think it's funny. Reese said it wasn't a threat, but a promise. Ooh. Ooh. The room grew tense. Avera broke the tension by saying, no wonder immortal life is never dull. Tarquin seemed relieved with her lightheartedness to ease the tension. Reese sent a flicker of approval down the bond. Chapter 33. Reese appeared as Farah looked around her room. He told her that he actually liked Tarquin and his court. So Farah would need to be stealthy when she's stealing the book. He mentioned Tarquin's gaze on her earlier, not knowing if Tarquin was attracted to her or knew she had some of his power. Farah wondered if both would be the reason. Reese says, 
Of course, but having a high lord lusting after you is a dangerous game. First, you taunt me with Cassian, now Tarquin? Can't you find other ways to annoy me? Reese proud closer, and I steadied myself for his scent, his warmth, the impact of his power. He braced a hand on either side of me, gripping the dresser. I refused to shrink away. You have one task here, Pharaoh. One task that no one can know about. So do anything you have to in order to accomplish it. But get that book and do not get caught. I wasn't some simpering fool. I knew the risk. And that tone, that look, he always gave me. Anything? His brow rose. I breathed. If I f***ed him for it, what would you do? His pupils flared and his gaze dropped to my mouth. The wood dresser groaned beneath his hands. You say such atrocious things. I waited, my heart an uneven beat. He at last met my gaze again. You are always free to do what you want with whomever you want. So if you want to ride him, go ahead. Maybe I will. Though a part of me wanted to retort, liar. Fine. His breath caressed my mouth. Fine. I said, Every inch between us, the distance smaller and smaller, the challenge heightening with each second neither of us moved. Do not, he said softly, as his eyes like stars jeopardize this mission. I know the cost. The sheer power of him enveloped me, shaking me awake. I sound flirting right there. Flirting. Sexual tension. Oh, yeah. Y'all be prepared. There's a lot of it. Reese demanded she use her powers to light a candle on the dresser. When she tried, water shot from her palms. Reese advised her not to show Tarquin that trick in the bedroom. This remark led Pharaoh to shoot water at him. All right, this is from the book. But I said, will he go to war over me? He knew who I meant. The hot temper that had been on Reese's face moments before turned to lethal calm. I don't know. I would go back if it came to that reason. I'd go back rather than make you fight. He slid a still wet hand into his pocket. Would you want to go back? Would going to war on your behalf make you love him again? Would that be a grand gesture to win you? I swallowed hard. I'm tired of death. I wouldn't want to see anyone else die, least of all for me. That doesn't answer my question. No, I wouldn't want to go back, but I would. Pain and killing wouldn't win me. Reese stared at me for a moment longer, his face unreadable. Before he strode to the door, he stopped with his fingers on, on the sea urchin-shaped handle. He locked you up because he knew, the bastard knew, what a treasure you are. That you are worth more than land or gold or jewels. He knew and wanted to keep you all to himself. The words hit me. Even as they soothed some jagged piece in my soul, he did. Does love me, Resend. The issue isn't whether he loved you. It's how much. Too much. Love can be poison. And then he was gone. What do you think about that? I almost knocked off my water. What do you think about that, Kaylin? What do you think about that, Reba? Well, um... Uh, you think Tamlin loves uh, Farrah too much? I think he thinks he loves her, but... It's a different kind of love. It is a different kind it's of love. love. That shouldn't be called love. It's lust. <laughs> That's what it is. Lust and obsession and greed. Uh-huh. And kind of like more so what she was before. Yeah. 
more of this part of this plan of this game and then kind of a prize in the end being like once again I don't know if he consciously sees her as that Mm -mm. I think he thinks he loves her and I think as we go on in the series and in this book you know what we're seeing and then later on what we hear from him he kind of realizes like uh huh I get you I get you I'm saying way too much right now. Later, Vera and Tarquin talk about Tarquin's crown while Reese chatted with the princess. Vera asked how he managed to keep it away from Amarantha. Tarquin explained to her they did the summer court's treasure when his cousin was the High Lord. Vera finagles her way into a tour of the treasure room. During their discussion, Tarquin asked what the human world was like. She told him the small part she had seen of the human world was awful. Tarquin asked Farah whether she would spare the humans if war came. She knew this was a loaded question, but she told him for her family or she wouldn't. Farah realized the High Lord was very kind. She told him it would be easy to love him, even easier to be his friend. Tarquin said he wouldn't object to either. Farah snuck a glance at the prince only to find she was nearly in Reese's lap. Tarquin shook his head and said he hadn't seen Presidia or whatever the f*** <laughs> look like that in a long time. Come on, Reese. A few minutes ago, you wanted to bite her head off for threatening to send Farrah to Tamlin. But Reese, are you doing this on purpose? Maybe. I don't know. Every time he's with a woman, it's awfully suspicious timing, isn't it? But everything he does is so calculated. Yeah, there's got to be something. He's really good. But also, he just, like, shared too much with Farrah. Uh-huh. You know, talking about love can be poison and everything. Did Mm -hmm. Tamlin really love you? And had her thinking about that. So, I'm like, is he doing this to kind of be like... I said too much. Okay. I gotta, you know, backtrack a little bit. Yeah. Or is he like, hmm, I'm gonna make her jealous? Like, he's a curious fellow. It's probably 50 50. Mm. <laughs> There's so much to read from the book in my part. Damn. <laughs> my cheeks heated. Shame. Shame for what? Wanting to throttle her for no good reason? Recent teased and taunted me. He never seduced me. With those long, intense stares, the half-smiles that were pure, Illyrian arrogant, I supposed I'd been granted that gift once, and had used it up, and fought for it, and broken it, and I supposed that recent for all he had sacrificed and done, he deserved it as much as Cressidio, even if, even if... For a moment, I wanted it. I wanted to feel like that again. And I was lonely. I had been lonely, I realized, for a very, very long time. Reese leaned in to hear something Cressida was saying, her lips brushing his ear, her hand now intertwining with his. And it wasn't sorrow or despair or terror that hit me, but unhappiness? Such bleak, sharp unhappiness that I got to my feet. Reese's eyes shifted towards me, at last remembering I existed, and there was nothing on his face. No hint that he felt any of what I did through our bond. I didn't care if I had no shield, if my thoughts 
were wide open, and he read them like a book. He didn't seem to care either. He went back to chuckling at whatever Cressetio was telling him, sliding closer. Tarquin had risen from his feet, scanning me and Reese. I was unhappy. Not just broken, but unhappy. It was an emotion rather than the unending emptiness of or survival-driven terror. Fair is like, <laughs> wait a second. I want that. Yeah. I want that. And I'm like, girl, we both did that. Yeah. It's like, oh, how cute. I wish I had something I hate like her. Fair <laughs> told Tarquin she needed to get some air. He offered to go with her, but she told him she would rather be alone. Reese didn't glance her way as she left. When Pharaoh returned, Reese and that one bitch... Or nowhere to be seen. Chapter 34. Pharaoh was glad she didn't have to hear any noises coming from Reese's room during the night. She wondered if Reese was only helping her because she was a weapon for him. She felt that would be fair. He didn't owe her anything. Quoted from the book. He could still be my friend, companion, whatever this thing was between us. His taking someone to his bed didn't change those things. It just been a relief to think that for a moment, he might have been as lonely as me. Vera didn't get up to eat breakfast the next morning out of fear of not seeing Reese or seeing who he came in with that morning. When she went to meet Tarquin for their tour of the treasure room, everyone else was also there. She chose to ignore Reese instead of talking to Tarquin and Amarin. Tarquin went to loop his arm with Farah's and she took his arm. She felt something brush against her mental shield. She thought it might be a warning to be careful, but it felt so much like the emotion she was feeling about Reese. She smiled at Tarquin as they left. So the jealousy she was feeling over Reese. Cressida, she's feeling in return, she's a Tarquin. Once they arrived, Feyre gazed around the treasure room. She stopped at a black jeweled necklace. Tarquin told her to take it as a thank you for saving them under the mountain. He explained to her how Reese had spared him under the mountain, and this gave him the inkling that Reese wasn't as bad as they say. Then maybe his actions under the mountain and under Amarantha's rule had been calculated. He wanted to get the attention off of everyone else. Feyre told him to stop because she wouldn't talk about Reese. He apologized, saying he wasn't very good at being diplomatic. He then asked her if it was true that Tamlin locked her up and that the night court had saved her. She nodded and Tarquin told her he would not tell the spring court about her presence. She bowed her head in thanks. I didn't want to talk about Reese. Well, what about your other, your fiance who locked you up? What about about him? What about that? And I'm like, you two would be best friends because you love asking really deep questions. Yeah, that you're not supposed to ask. Like, no social boundaries whatsoever. When Feyre returned to her room, she found Reese relaxing on her bed like it was his room. And then it quoted from the book to the end of this chapter. Reeson was lounging on my bed as if he owned it. I took one look at the hands crossed behind his head, the long legs draped over the edge of the mattress, and ground my teeth. What do you want? I shut the door loud enough to emphasize the bite in my words. Flirting and giggling with Tarquin did you no good, I take it. I chucked the box into the bed beside him. You tell me. The smile faltered as he sat up, flipping open the lid. This isn't the book. No, but it's a beautiful gift. You want me to buy you jewelry, Farah? Then say the word. Though, given your wardrobe, I thought you were aware that it was all bought for you. <laughs> Damn. Jealous! I know. I know he got you that, but I would buy you so much jewelry. I bought you a whole closet, Farah. And she's like, it's not about that. Yeah, totally different. I hadn't realized, but I said, Tarquin is a good... 
a good male. The way she says that. Tarquin is a good male, a good high lord. You should just ask him for the damned book. Reese snapped to shut the lid. So he plies you with jewels and pours honey in your ear and now you feel bad? He wants your alliance, desperately. He wants to trust you, rely on you. Well... Cressida is under the impression that her cousin is rather ambitious, so I'd be careful to read between his words. Oh, did she tell you that before, during, or after you took her to bed? Damn. Reese stood at a graceful, slow movement. Is that why you wouldn't look at me? Because you think I f***ed her for information? <gasps> information or your own pleasure? I don't care. He came around the bed and I stood my ground, even as he stopped with hardly a hand's breath between us. Jealous, Farah? If I'm jealous, then you're jealous about Tarquin and his honey pouring. Reeson's teeth flashed. Do you think I particularly like having to flirt with a lonely female to get information about her court, her high lord? Do you think I feel good about myself doing that? Do you think I enjoy doing it just so you have the space to ply Tarquin with your smiles and pretty eyes so we can get the book and go home? You seemed to enjoy yourself plenty last night. His snarl was soft, vicious. I didn't take her to bed. She wanted to, but I didn't so much as kiss her. I took her out for a drink in the city, let her talk about her life, her pressures, and brought her back to her room and went no farther than the door. I waited for you at breakfast, but you slept in, or avoided me apparently, and I tried to catch your eye this afternoon, but you were so good at shutting me out completely. Is that what got under your skin? That I shut you out? Or that it was so easy for Tarquin to get in? What got under my skin... Reese said, his breathing a bit uneven, is that you smiled at him. How dare she? The rest of the world faded to mist as the words sank in. You are jealous. He shook his head, stalking to the little table against the far wall and knocking back a glass of amber liquid. He braced his hands on the table, the powerful muscles of his back quivering beneath his shirt as the shadow of those wings struggled to take form. I heard what you told him, he said, that you thought it would be easy to fall in love with him. You meant it, too. So? It was the only thing I could think of to say. I was jealous of that, that I'm not that sort of person for anyone. The summer court has always been neutral. They only showed backbone during those years under the mountain. I spared Tarquin's life because I'd heard how he wanted to even out the playing field between high fey and lesser fairies. I've been trying to do that for years, unsuccessfully, but... I spared him for that alone, and Tarquin, with his neutral court, he will never have to worry about someone walking away because a threat against their life, their children's lives, will always be there. So yes, I was jealous of him, because it will always be easy for him, and he will never know what it is to look up at the night sky and wish. The court of dreams, the people who knew that there was a price and one worth paying for that dream, the bastard-born warriors... The Illyrian half-breed, the monster trapped in a beautiful body, the dreamer born into a court of nightmares, and the huntress with an artist's soul. And perhaps because it was the most vulnerable thing he'd said to me, perhaps it was the burning in my eyes, but I walked to where he stood over the little bar. I didn't look at him as I took the decanter of amber liquid and poured myself a knuckle's length, then refilled his. But I met his stare as I clinked my glass against his, the crystal ringing clear and bright over the crashing sea far below, and said, To the people who look at the stars and wish, Reese. He picked up his glass, his gaze so piercing that I wondered why I had bothered blushing at all for Tarquin. Reese clinked his glass against mine, to the stars who listen, and the dreams that are answered. Ah! 
it's the line. It's the line. It's the line. Peyton's asleep. <laughs> it's the line. It's the line. It's the line. I love how we're acting like we're just starting this back up. Just the next day. The next hours later. Because no, it is my favorite line. Um, Reba bought me a shirt. Was it on there? It was on my surprise birthday cake for my 25th birthday that my mom got. And she was like, I don't even know what this means. Yeah. Like, it's okay. I do. Tears. Yeah. I wonder who gave her the idea for that. Like, I'm glad I came out with that. Not some something else. I would have. Uh, well, I was the one she asked. I think I did my sneaky sneak and was like, hey, what's your favorite quote? And Caitlin told me. And so I gave her the information. So if it was something like not uh, parent appropriate, I would probably, I would probably have uh, been like, what's your second favorite quote? <laughs> I don't think I want to pick something not appropriate, you know? But I don't know. Beautiful line. A moment. Coming together. Uh, you see some feelings that are really yeah. showing through. Uh, some jealousies coming through on Reese and <laughs> Yeah, Vera. and Vera. Chapter 35. Reese held meetings to distract their hosts while Vera scoured the city looking for any evidence of the book. Vera had also taken the time to practice her water abilities. As she walked around town, she noticed the fae in the city. From the book, it says, Just as the people I saw, hey... High fae and fairies with scales and gills and long spindly webbed fingers all seemed to be slowly healing. There were scars and missing limbs on more than I can count, but in their eyes, in their eyes, light gleamed. I had saved them too. Freed them for whatever horrors had occurred during those five decades. And then you said, discuss Pharaoh's change in mentality and growth. What do y'all, I see so much change since the beginning of the book where it was like, see what I've done, mm-hmm. how terrible it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, at what cost I broke myself. Mm-hmm. And, and now that she's seeing people actually healing mm-hmm. and, you know. It is interesting too, because she's kind of found in Valeris these people who have lived in like at first she thought like ignorant bliss but really like who had no part in the war and mm-hmm. they are doing amazing they whatever. were saved from yeah them. and she saw that and appreciated that like at least some mm-hmm. people were spared from it but these people some of them went through it a lot mm-hmm. they went through it and she sees that they are still thriving and they're healing uh-huh. whereas in the spring court she didn't really get that mm-hmm. because Tamlin's a piece of leader just throwing it out there because they're still rebuilding Mm -hmm. and he's like oh well we need a tithe because my daddy had a tithe Mm -hmm. well your daddy's dead get over it (laughs) you know he's like okay let's take things back to normal yeah and i'm like no you can't just change it like go right back like it takes time to heal and also things change you're also their new leader it's your own court your own rules anyway we have plenty of time to get Mm -hmm. into tamlin yeah um, he wasn't the high lord for that long well he might have been how long was he a high lord for before she came right there i don't really say because they they wore the mask in honor of his abilities Mm -hmm. So I thought it was when he was becoming the High Lord. I don't know either. Vera saw Varian and Amran standing on a balcony. She wondered if Varian wanted to attack Amran or if he liked her since they were always around each other. And we talked about this earlier. Yeah. Yes. I love I love the dynamic. Yeah, it's fun. As she was walking, she noticed an unfamiliar building 
sitting in the ocean. Hmm, I wonder, I wonder what I wonder that is. There. She realized she wouldn't have seen it before because of the tides. It called to her. She felt it must be the book, but had to be certain of this. She realized then she already had a plan for this. At dinner, Pharaoh wore the necklace Tarquin had given her. She enacted her plan by landing herself deep in Tarquin's good graces building up the conversation until she could ask about the building on the causeway. Tarquin only said it was an old temple ruin, but the look he shared with Cressida established that the building, in fact, contained the book. Farah dug into his mind and eased his worries about why she was inquiring about the building. Tarquin suggested that they go to the mainland tomorrow as long as Reese didn't have another meeting planned. Reese only replied, By all means, Tarquin, spend the day with my lady. My lady. Later that night, when everyone was asleep, Reese slipped into Vera's room. He praised her for infiltrating Tarquin's mind. Vera told him that she felt terrible for doing this. He explained it was good that she had a sense of guilt, but all of this was necessary. She asked what reason he had for going through her mind. You know, back then, all the time. Reese insisted that there were still parts of her mind untouched. Yes, I went to your mind, Vera, but not all of it. I did see you with Tamlin quite a few times. <laughs> it was very painful for me. We'll get into that later, though. But he also wanted to make sure that she was alive, because he couldn't just waltz into the spring court to check up on her, which he he still did a couple of times, mm-hmm. if we remember. Yeah, he did. <laughs> just a few pages ago. Yeah. hundred or so. Like the, like the time before last, he like just showed up and he's like, oh, hi, Farah, put some clothes on. Have you been eating? <laughs> Did they not feed you here? They heard Amran walking into the room. Reese said that they would discuss this later, and Amran barged in saying, what a stupid place to put a book. (laughs) Like, it hasn't been discussed, but Uh Amran's just, I mean, she's been around for a while. She just quickly figures out, like, that was why Pharaoh was asking. Uh She just strolls in, what a stupid place to put a book. I love that. Uh Then they plan to keep watch tonight and steal the book tomorrow. A heist, a heist, a heist, a heist. (laughs) heist. Amber's also like, I have a 90-year-old great aunt mm-hmm. who is kind of reminds me of Amarin, like personality-wise. It's interesting. Chapter 36. The next day seemed to drag on while Pharaoh waited for nightfall. Reese dropped Amarin and Pharaoh in the temple while he watched the, si- the skies overhead. Pharaoh pointed out where the book was buried in the mud. Amran and Farah started digging in the cold mud. They found a lead door in the mud. Farah focused on surrounding herself in Tarquin's power, trying to become him. It didn't seem like it was working until there was a groan and a click. They entered a small chamber. Amran warned they had to hurry because the tide was coming back soon. The box containing the book called to Farah, asking who she was. She told the box that she was Tarquin, the High Lord. Then... Farrah snatched the box. The box hissed, liar, and the chamber door slammed shut, trapping them inside. Dun, dun, dun. My nightmare. Uh Being trapped. All right, chapter 37. Amran screamed, no, as water slowly started to fill the chamber and burst the door open. Water came gushing in, and Amran held the door open as Farrah made her way through the archway. She wondered where all the strength came from to hold that door open. She put Amran on her back as they tried to make their way out of the temple while the water continued to rise. Water was now up to Farrah's chin. She ran up the steps only to have the door slam shut, sealing them in a watery tomb. 
Amran tried to work her magic on the door, but it wouldn't budge. Pharaoh felt her lungs on fire. She knew they were going to die there. Suddenly, the door was ripped open. It was the water wraiths. They grabbed Amran and Pharaoh and whisked them away to the shore. The wraiths punched the girls in the gut, making them vomit up the seawater. One of the water wraiths said, For our sister's dead, and swam off. Amran and Pharaoh swam to the mainland and passed out. Pharaoh woke up to someone kicking her cap. Amran asked where Reese went. Does it say who kicked their cap? Oh, it's Reese. <laughs> Uh, something got lost in translation. <laughs> she asked, Amron asked Reese, where did, where were you? <laughs> Amron asked Reese where he went. He told her he was taking care of the guards they had triggered at the temple. He thought Amron could handle this mission. She told him that the temple voided her powers and they nearly drowned to death. Sassy. He's like, I thought you could handle this, Amron. <laughs> I trusted you. She's like, hold up. There were other things at play. He turned to Feyre and asked if she had got the book. She nodded and he said good in a nervous tone. He went on to explain he didn't manage to get all of the guards. And he grabbed Feyre and Amran by the arm and winnowed them back to the night court. Both Amran and Feyre collapsed on the carpet at Reese's house. Cassian said, what the hell, while Mora and Azriel looked on. Reese just said, I'm waiting for an explanation too. Amran just st stared at Feyre and asked how. And Pharaoh went on to explain what had happened at the tithe with the water wraith, how they felt indebted to her for her kindness. Amron and Pharaoh laughed hysterically at the ridiculousness of their whole almost death event. Once they calmed down, Pharaoh stood up and held out her hand to Amron. Amron stood up, snapped her fingers, and they were both clean and in dry clothes. Except for everything was dry on her, except for the part where the book was in Pharaoh's pocket. Okay. They were completely dry except for the part where the book was in Feyre's pocket. She pulled it out and set it on the table. The book greeted her as a liar. After coaxing the book to open, it said, Curse Breaker. The book was made of metal instead of paper and leather. Amran explained that it was written in the holy tongue. Feyre realized Amran was part of the hunt because she was going to decode the book. Reese told Amran that the book might hold a spell to set her free and to go back to her world. Amron said she needed the other part of the book before she could start decoding. Someone asked why Hyburn wanted Jurian, and they discussed how Hyburn planned to keep him loyal. Pharaoh made a mental note to ask about the people they were mentioning, and the group asked about what happened to them in the tomb. Amron started the insane tale of their adventure while Pharaoh looked up, noting Reese's gaze. She lowered her shield just enough to say to the dreams that are answered. He mentally asked permission to send something down the bond. She let him through and he said to the huntresses who remember to reach back for those less fortunate and water wraiths who swim very, very fast. Aww, it's so cute. It is cute. Chapter 38. Amron took the book to her home or wherever she resided. The following day, Feyre took advantage of the current peace. She grabbed a book and went to sit on the balcony, only to find Reese with his wings splayed and a glass of liquor in his hand. He's going through it right now. Feyre mm -hmm. asked if he wanted to be alone, but he motioned for her to sit down. There was a wooden box sitting beside him. Reese told Feyre to open it. Inside, she found red jewels the size of eggs, blood rubies sent from Tarquin. Reese explained that this was a symbol of the price on their heads since their betrayal to the summer court. According to the rubies, Reese, Feyre, and Amron would soon be hunted and killed. So this is just a custom, you know, mm -hmm. you did this to me, this means we're going to be after you. Reese blamed himself for not wiping the memories of the guards. He was trying to figure out what to tell Amran because she would obliterate the entire city of Adriata as retaliation. He was in such despair that Feyre felt as if she couldn't leave him alone. 
Reese had helped her so many times before, it was only right for her to help him. She tried flirting. It's a distraction, I guess. Until she finally had him focused on her and nothing else. She prompted him to go to, to go lingerie shopping with her before Azrael came flying towards them. Farah left to give the two of them privacy. Farah felt almost sick after flirting with Reese. She thought of how she loved Tamlin not too long ago, and now she was thinking of Reese in a similar way. <laughs> she lost herself in a scenario, including her and Reese getting physical. So she was kind of like imagining the whole like lingerie, lingerie store, like kicking out the clerks and them having the place mm-hmm. all to themselves. Yeah. Very Reese. <laughs> it wasn't until the end of the scenario did she realize Reese had infiltrated her thoughts, of course. Giving his own vision to the scene. She called him a prick and could hear him laughing in her mind. Later, Pharaoh was awoken at night, covered by utter darkness. She screamed for Reese, but there was no answer. Pharaoh fled to Reese's room, only to find darkness in there, too. She went towards his bed, trying to wake him. He pinned her underneath him and put his hand around her neck. Pharaoh realized he was naked, but she didn't dare look past his chest. She conjured her own darkness, reaching it out to calm him down. Eventually, he realized it was Pharaoh there. Immediately, he let her go and apologized. Pharaoh snuck a lower peek at Reese and noticed two tattoos of the night court in his knees. She asked how often he had bad dreams like this. Reese told her as often as she did. She comforted him some more and kissed him on the cheek like she wished someone would do, would have done for her after her nightmares. God, no. oh, damn, you piece of shit. I know. She found herself thinking of painting Reese like this. She could identify with his brokenness. And she realized in that moment that her heart was slowly healing. Tamlin, you piece of Reese, you're a sweet angel, baby. I mean, she realizes, like... He's going through this, too. And in such a similar way. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Chapter 39. The following day, Pharaoh went to check on Amran, who was still trying to decode the books. Pharaoh had not seen Reese since last night, but she had received a note from him thanking her for last night. Pharaoh sent him a note that vanished after she wrote it, asking about the tattoos on his knees. He told her it was to show he would bow to nothing but his crown. She said that was dramatic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pharaoh smiled at the memory as she gave Amran a jar of blood. <laughs> She noticed the blood ruby sitting by Amarin. Amarin used it as a paperweight. Of course she did. <laughs> it's like, it don't mean nothing to me. She asked Amarin if Reese had convinced her not to destroy Adriata. Amarin told her she didn't destroy it because of that. Farrah noted the ruby necklace in question on the dresser. She had seen the necklace before in the summer court trove. Amarin explained Marion had sent it to soften the blow. <laughs> He's like, I know Tarquin's really bad, and I'm mad too, but here you go. Farrah <laughs> wondered if Amarin and Marion hooked up. Amarin admitted it was tempting, but Marion couldn't decide if he wanted her or wanted to kill her. Farrah asked if it could be both. <laughs> She said, fair enough. Barry spent most of her time training while Amran learned the language from the book. She trained with Cassian in the morning and in the afternoons. She trained with Reese, focusing her abilities and the histories of each court. She started to enjoy Reese's company. There's something sweet and almost kind. <laughs> One day, 
Reese told her training would be postponed. The human queens had finally responded and would be at her family's estate tomorrow. The next morning, they all went to see the human queens except for Amran. The inner court, inner circle plus Farah dressed to the nines, or plus Farah's sisters dressed to the nines for the event. And Reese and Farah even wore matching crowns. Oh, like a king and queen? Hi, Lord and hi, lady. <laughs> okay, so the funny part about this is he always puts her in a matching crown. I don't know if anybody else has put that together. I don't think it's happened yet, but it will throughout the thing. It's always a damn matching crown. Like, he's just always... He just, like, gets a thrill from it. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those things where he's, like, giddy. He's <laughs> like, we match. She killed the guard worm. <laughs> now she's in my crown. My lady. <laughs> All right, chapter 40. The beginning of this part is a description of the queens themselves, and quoted from the book. The mortal queens were a mixture of age, coloring, height, and temperament. The eldest of them, clad in an embroidered wool dress of deepest blue, was brown-skinned, her eyes sharp and cold, and unbent despite the heavy wrinkles carved into her face. The two who appeared middle-aged were opposites, one dark, one light, one sweet-faced, one hewn from granite. One smiling and one frowning. They even wore gowns of black and white and seemed to move and question and answer to each other. I wonder what their kingdoms were like, what relations they had, if the matching silver rings they each wore bound them in other ways. And the youngest two queens? One was perhaps a few years older than me, black-haired and black-eyed, careful, cunning, oozing from every pore as she surveyed us. And the final queen, the one who spoke first, was the most beautiful, the only beautiful one of them. These were women who, despite their finery, did not care if they were young or old, fat or thin, short or tall. Those things were secondary. Those things were a sleight of hand. But this one, this beautiful queen, perhaps no older than 30, her righteously curly hair was as golden as moors, her eyes of purest amber. Even her brown, freckled skin seemed dusted with gold. Her body was supple where she'd probably learned men found it distracting, lithe where it showed grace, a lion in human flesh. Reese greeted the sisters and asked where the sixth one was. The ancient one told him she was unwell and couldn't make the journey. She asked if Pharaoh was the emissary and if Reese was the high lord who wrote the letters. Reese introduced himself and more. The queens were shocked to meet the Morgan from the war. One of the queens asked if it was customary for an emissary to wear a crown in Prithian. Reese said no, but Pharaoh looked so good in one he couldn't resist. Reese told them that war was coming and he hoped to have their support. The queen said she knew that war was coming and that it didn't matter what happened here on this land because it would be a waste of resources to the continent. Reese tried to convince the queens, but they kept saying it was the Fae's fault so they should fix it. Nesta argued, saying they were cowards, and Pharaoh spoke up. Nesta! And quoted from the book, I was turned into this, into a fairy, because one of the commanders from Highburn killed me. Through our bond, I could have sworn I felt Reese flinch. For 50 years, I pushed on. She terrorized Prithian, and when I defeated her, when I freed its people, she killed me. And before she did, I witnessed the horrors that she unleashed on human and fairy alike. One of them, just one of them, was able to cause such destruction and suffering. Imagine what an army like her might do. And now their king plans to use a weapon to shatter the wall, to destroy all of you. The war will be swift and brutal, and you will not win. We will not win. Survivors will be slaves, and their children's children will be slaves. Please, please give us the other half of the book. The eldest queen told her she was just young and naive. Filled with rage, Reese told her not to be so condescending when Pharaoh was speaking from the heart and they were speaking from cowardice. 
The eldest queen said their half of the book was not leaving the palace. Moore told the queens they were nothing like their ancestors and unveiled a secret of the only other human to be turned fae was still alive with her love on a secluded island. Reese cautioned her. The eldest queen said that they would need proof that Reese was a good male putting the rumors against his name to rest and he promised proof the golden queen told pharaoh good luck before they left as the inner circle and akron sisters stood there elaine said she hoped all the queens burned in hell wait did elaine decide that she hoped they burned in hell yes i love whenever elaine does come out swinging like that like yeah we've we've talked about this this morning we've we've been discussing i does not agree with my crackpot theories i mean you're allowed to have them i'm just saying i don't know if it'd work out as well as you expect it to chapter 41 <laughs> we gotta get into it some other time when we have yeah, we do we do we do the trip back to the night court was a silent one. Once they arrived, Reese went outside to his breeding place on the balcony. They all followed him. Yep. <laughs> Little ducklings. You're not going to be alone in this. Amron appeared inquiring about the meeting. Reese told her that the queens wanted proof of the night court's good intentions. Amron asked in disbelief if Pharaoh wasn't proof enough. Reese told her Vera was more than enough proof. The queens were just frightened fools. They all discussed the possibilities on how to get the book. Convincing the queens was the only way. Vera asked if showing them Miriam and her people would be enough. Then Vera asked who exactly these people in question were. Yeah, they've been mentioned a few times, yeah. but this is just, it's easier to do it all in one setting. So Reese is explaining... 500 years ago, in the years leading up to the war, there was a fey kingdom in the southern part of the continent. It was a realm of sand surrounding a lush river delta, the Blackland. There was no crueler place to be born a human, for no humans were born free. They were all of them slaves, forced to build great temples and palaces for the high fey who ruled. There was no escape, no chance of having their freedom purchased, and the queen of the Blackland? Memory stirred in his face. She made Amarantha seem as sweet as Elaine, Moore explained with soft venom. Miriam, Reese continued, was a half-fay female born of a human mother, and as her mother was a slave, as the conception was against her mother's will, so too was Miriam born in shackles and deemed human, denied any rights to her fay heritage. Tell the full story another time, Amarin cut him. The gist of it, girl. She said to me, is that Miriam was given as a wedding gift by the queen to her betrothed, a foreign prince named Draken. He was horrified. Draken or Draken? I go Draken, but... But that reminds me of Kim Possible. You can't go there. You can't go there. So you want Draken? I don't care. He was horrified and let Miriam escape. Fearing the queen's wrath, she fled through the desert across the sea into more desert and was found by Jurian. She fell in love with his rebel armies, became his lover, and was a healer amongst the warriors, until a devastating battle found her tending to Jurian's new fey allies, including Prince Draken. Turns out, Miriam had opened her, his eyes to the monster he planned to wed. He broke in the engagement, allied his armies with the humans, and had been looking for the beautiful slave girl for three years. Jurian had no idea that his new ally coveted his lover. He was too focused on winning the war, on destroying Amarantha in the north. As his obsession took over, he was blind to witnessing that Miriam and Draken falling in love behind his back. It wasn't behind his back, Moore snapped. Miriam ended it with Jurian before she ever laid a finger on Draken. Amran shrugged. 
Long story short, girl, when Jurian was slaughtered by Amarantha and during the long centuries after, she told him what had happened to his lover, that she'd betrayed him for another a female. Everyone believed Miriam and Draken perished while liberating her people from the Black Land at the end of the war, even Amarantha. But of course, they didn't die. Era stated that those people were still living in secret. This could be proofs of the Fae's good nature. Reese told her that this shows nothing of his character, which happened to be the Queen's biggest problem. And he also couldn't reveal his friends who just wanted to exist peacefully. Cassian said they might need Draken's flying army for the war. Reese just shook his head, ending that part of the conversation. They were asked what proof they could give the, the Queens instead. Reese wanted to show them Valeris. The group voiced their disagreement. Reese explained that he wouldn't bring the queens to the city, but showed them by still playing by their rules. He turned to Moore, instructing her to alert her father that they were going to be paying his court a visit. There was a family heirloom of Moore's, an orb that had truth magic, named, of course, Veritas. Which is Latin for truth. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, Sarah J. Mass sometimes does like names things very on the it's nose. It's helpful for those of us that aren't that smart. <laughs> well, Asriel was, while Reese, Farah, Moore, and Cassian were distractions. Farah went for a walk thinking about the impact of exposing a secret like Valeris. When she came back to the townhouse, she was met with a grim-looking Reese. When she asked him what was wrong, he said he was debating making her stay home from their venture to the Court of Nightmares tomorrow. Thera asked why. Reese told her that the part that he would have to play was a cruel one. He couldn't bear the thought of her looking at him like the monster, like she used to, or her seeing the Court of Nightmares, which resembled Under the Mountain. He feared her reverting back to the way she was before he found her. Thera insisted that she'd help. He said her role in the matter wouldn't be a pleasant one. Thera asked why Moore had been so shaken up when she left. Um, this is backstory. If you need it, I got it open. Moore's family is from part of the Court of Nightmares. They are very evil. Um, we discussed how a girl's virginity is the most important thing in their lands, which makes no sense when you get there, because we'll discuss that, but it's sold to the highest bidder. The more prominent your families are, the stronger the girl is. And Moore talks about her story a little bit earlier on, mm-hmm. and she told Pharaoh, like, I'll, we will we can further this conversation at another point. Mm-hmm. She didn't get to this point in the conversation. Her father said that she was going to, that Moore was going to be sold to Eris, who was the oldest son of the High Lord of the Autumn Court, so... Mm-hmm. Lucian's, Lucian's brother. oldest brother. Um, but Eris was... Evil. Cool. He had that reputation, and more begged for that not to happen. She runs away, and then she goes to uh, the Illyrian camps. Yes. With Reese, Cassian, mm-hmm. and more, or in Asriel. Yep, and she wanted to do things on her own terms, so uh-huh. she convinced Cassian... To sleep with her and take her virginity. Mm-hmm. Which should not go over well, obviously. No, in a few different ways. Yeah. Um, so first and foremost, Reese was pissed off. Asriel was even more pissed off. Because they knew how her family would react. Because that's the only important thing a girl has to offer is her virginity. They paid, you know, Eris was going to pay so much money mm-hmm. for it. So when they find out, they beat the hell out of her. 
Who's they? They is in the court of her family. Well, Eris was like, I'm not going to marry her anymore. He says he's she's damaged goods now. I don't want her. She's uh, tarnished. Um, a lesser born, a bastard born, lesser fae had, you know, had taken her taken virginity. Her and she had no value now. Yeah. And so they, they as in the court of nightmares, her family beat her up. They nail a note or a message to Eris and basically is like, she's your problem now and dumps her on the border of the autumn court. And Eris just kind of left her there too. Yeah. So Eris is enemy number one. Yeah. He's in the middle, like, number five right now. But we have a few ahead of him. We do see Eric later on, too. He he comes up a few times throughout the season. And you don't know how to take him. Yes. It's a very confusing situation. No, I'm like, I'm still confused and I've read most of the books. But yeah, that kind of just tells you where a war comes from and how horrible her family is. Yeah. And we, we get to go see them and she gets to go see them. Which like, is fun. She, she's still been walking around. She has had power now, like within the uh, night court, which her family does not like. She just strolls into the court of nightmares and she's like, mm-hmm. hi, daddy. How are you? She's basically, okay, so I think uh, Reese says that she's like the queen of Valeris yeah. and stuff. So she's got a lot of power, more power than her parents have so after the story is told and everything reese no wait Vera commanded reese to tell her what she needed to do tomorrow so Vera's not staying home no she's like no also if more suffered through all of this and she still manages to walk through it like mm-hmm. i mean she admires more yeah. we've already established this she's like i can do it no biggie yeah but reese is kind of hesitant and we'll see why here in a little bit Chapter 42. Man, we're really getting through it. I'm really, I'm reading from the book in this first part. I was not frightened. Not of the role that Reese had asked me to play today. Not of the roaring winds as we winnowed into a familiar snow-capped mountain range. Oh, snow-capped mountain range, refusing to yield to spring's awakening kiss. Not of the punishing drop of as Reese flew us between the peaks and valleys, swift and sleek. Cassie and Azriel flanked us. More would meet us at the gates to the mountain base. Reese's face was drawn, his shoulders tense as I gripped them. I knew what to expect, but even after he told me what he needed me to be- do, even after I had agreed, he'd been aloof haunted worried for me i realized and just because of that worry just to get that tightness off his face even for a few minutes before we faced his unholy realm beneath that mountain i said over the wind amrin and moore told me that the span of illyrian males and illyrian's male's wings says a lot about his the size of his other parts (laughs) love it (laughs) and you gotta respect her she's like Anytime she uh, senses that Reese is off, she's like, how can I distract him? I gotta throw something pervy Reese at him. Reese has always been that way, too. Like, he yeah. literally licked her face because she was going through it under yeah. the mountain. Like, it's a dynamic. It you know? is. It's like, a dynamic. They're going through it. Let's let's make them laugh right now or, like, gross them out. I don't know. <laughs> make them mad. Make them feel something else. Reese looked at Farrah and they started to flirt. And I gotta say, I love this part because... He's like, oh, did they now? <laughs> and she's like, yeah. And I heard Asriel's was bigger. <laughs> He's like, I'm getting the measure and tape when we get home. 
You know they have. Yeah. You know the Bat Boys have. Yeah, it's definitely canon. Okay. As this cute scene happens, Ash arrows started shooting at them. <laughs> Restarged the arrows as Cassian and Azrael appeared, utilizing the siphons to create shields against the arrows. When they reached the ground, Reese told Cassian to take Farah home. Farah argued saying that she could help track the ash arrows and find where they were made. Reese agreed and told her that they had an hour before they needed to be in the Court of Nightmares. It, she needed to make it count. I wish we have kept track of how many times Reese has said yes to her. Yeah. Her help compared to Tamlin's. No. All the times? There is we no count. There's just all we, of them. <laughs> we have all the notes. We could definitely just... Probably. I'll just... Control find the word agreed. Uh-huh. Or yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they could not find a single piece of evidence to show who was shooting at Reese and Farah. They gave up before heading to the Court of Nightmares. Dun, dun, dun. All right. So, Court of Nightmares time. What song is playing? Voodoo by um, Godsmack. No, I don't know. Something um, sexy. <laughs> like, that's kind of why I think that, because if I were a stripper, that would be the song. Okay, so the Court of Nightmares is something of a, a total beast. It is different than, it's like Under the Mountain, but Under the Mountain was like child's play, because Under the Mountain was just like a palace under under a mountain but the court of nightmares hewn city which is what it's called is an entire f***ing city under a mountain like underground and like everything is made of stone and it's there's like rivers that run in the mountain and like they have roads and like everything's made of stone and they have like just vile scenes mm-hmm. like in like carved into the stone like there's like literal scenes of like sex scenes on the walls and you're like and yet they cherish virginity okay yeah i guess so that tracks tracks we've said it before the court of nightmares and like that is what outsiders would think of the night court, court. that's what they think the night court yeah. is and it's all and if you remember how reese was you're gonna see how he acts uh-huh in this but um we just show a glimpse of that but if you if you remember from the first uh book how he acts around other people in that kind of and then this it's how they view the night court like it's very vile very vicious mm-hmm. evil Farah was back in a revealing dress cut in the same fashion she had worn under the mountain do we need to relive that basically nothing Basically nothing. <laughs> Two strips of fabric. <laughs> Two strips of fabric. <laughs> one panel between the legs. Yep. One panel on the back side, I believe. Mm-hmm. Or is it? I'm sure it's covered. <laughs> it's like a hospital gown. Your ass is just <laughs> I mean, you never know. Nah, I think she's covered. Yeah. There's. It's backless, though. Got some black coal eyeliner on mm-hmm. and some ruby red lips. Mm-hmm. No body paint like last time, though, which is kind of sad. But her, she's still tatted. Yep, still tatted. Moore and Farah went in first. They were shown to the throne room. Moore's father asked where Reese was. Moore said he arrives when he wishes to. A moment later, the room seemed to tremble with Reese's descent. Darkness personified. Here we go. Azriel and Cassian show, showed up looking deadly. Nothing like the Illyrians she knew. Not the idiots. <laughs> I love that contrast, though. Because, yeah. like... You s- Think of, like, the warriors, whatever. Yeah. Then you think of the bumbling drunk fools. Yeah. 
and like, Azrael, whatever he becomes. <laughs> like Azrael is just like just that quiet guy that you yeah. sit next to at a party, and then like Cassian's just the goofball that you're doing tequila shots with. Yeah, and then like you show up, or like they show up, and they're like deadly warriors. Like they could kill you with one look or something, and it's like, oh, yeah. this is not the people I know. Yep. Then Reese strolled in, resembling who he had been under the mountain. Everyone bowed to him, including Pharaoh. Reese stopped when he reached her. He lifted her chin and welcomed her to his home. Oh. I love this because that's what he says when she first arrives in Valeris. Mm-hmm. He's like, welcome to my home. Mm-hmm. And so she knows this is bullcrap, but I like it. I like it nonetheless. He then led her to the throne where he sat down, placing her in his lap. The court resumed its activity as Care, Moore's father, informed Reese about varying alliances and blood feuds. Reese's hands roamed all over Farah's body. Uh, they are a Roman. They are a Roman, and I'm... Yeah, it's definitely... That's what I was gonna say earlier, is that... Oh, no, no, sorry. They are roaming. They are roaming. And this kind of resembles Rome. Um, <laughs> sorry. That's what I was thinking, like, kind of like Roman-esque, like the, the, the stone tablets. That's where my mind was going. And yes, his hands are Roman. So it's Roman hands well, and okay, Russian she's fingers. She's in his lap on the yeah. throne while he's having a full-blown conversation. And he is, like, putting on the persona as the Hyler of the Night Court, not, like, giving up being like, this is my lady, whatever. Like, my lady of the not, night. Not my lady. Not my lady of the night court. My sex slave, essentially. Yeah, kind of like how it was under the mountain whenever yeah. he would or she would dance for him. Uh-huh. But now with her knowing him and being willing to Yeah, and them having that mental connection. Like, she knows exactly what's going on right now. I mean, Reese is, like, mortified at this, but he has to do it. Mm-hmm. Care went on to say, Tamlin's pet is owned by another master. Care reacted with disgust. Farah told Care she might put a leash on him. Reese kept touching Farah, just as the High Lord of the Night Court would be expected to do. Farah told Reese through their mental bond, that she knew he was a good person despite this. And from the book, I reached down the mon between us, caressing that wall of ebony adamant. A small sliver cracked just for me. And I said into it, you are good, Reese. You are kind. This mask does not scare me. I see you beneath it. Yeah, also, like, remember, like, he has his shields up right now. Yeah. Like, because he's in a place where he doesn't want people to see his true self. But, yeah, that, I mean, that quote, like, comes back to the whole, like... She knows he's a good person. He is doing this for a reason. Reese and Farah started to get pretty hot and heavy. Like, I mean, like, I'm, they were feeling it. They were discovering some things about each other in that moment. Oh, yeah. Everybody. Oh, yeah. And I was, first time I read it, I was like, oh, which is Ooh. the first time I've read anything like that, I think, the first time I read it. But I was like, oh, now I'm like, that's nothing. <laughs> that's normal. <laughs> well,. This reminds me of that damned book you made me read. Because they f*** in a throne room, like, yeah. in front of everybody. And that was kind of, like, where my mind was going. I was like, oh, like, oh, crap. <laughs> uh, they don't f*** um, in this book. They just, uh... They get close, you know. They just... Some people get close to... 
they grind they grind up upon each other. All right, back to this while I'm blushing. Azriel showed up, signaling that he had stolen the orb. Thank God you're saved. <laughs> I got it. I got, I got it. it. I got it, guys. Fair got up to leave. Care stated, "I hope you get what's coming to you, whore." Reese shattered his arm and told him he cannot seek medical treatment or there would be dire consequences. And they all left the night court. I, I love whenever a man of power does something like that in a fiction text. You know, in yeah. fiction. Yeah. And they're like, nope, you can't fix it. You can't heal yourself. Uh-uh, that's not allowed. Mm-hmm. Like, you gotta live with that right now. I kind of think of um, Kill Bill. I always go back to something Quentin Tarantino did and she tells uh, all the people she's, like, she fights like a shit ton of people and she's like, you can escape with your lives if you're lucky enough to have it, but you leave your the limbs you've lost to me because they're mine now. The badassery. Chapter 43. You're the right thing. Why do you preface it? Huh? Why do you preface it? Oh, I was just like, this is an interesting chapter. We see some, we see some stuff. And I wasn't on the wrong, like I wasn't on the right page, but I was looking at something. Not a dementia patient, if you're wondering. <laughs> Reese flew himself and Farrah to the edge of the lake where he apologized to her. Farrah asked what he could be sorry for. He told her he shouldn't have taken her there. And this oh, is... Oh, we got a lot of crap to discuss, so hurry up. I'm so pissed off at this chapter. <laughs> sorry. It's not you. It's me. <laughs> I will take my sweet ass time now. <laughs> this is not what I mean. Y'all know it. I'm just like, Ugh. Okay, quote the readers to know as soon as possible, and I know it's taking longer because I'm talking. They will not know faster because <laughs> this is a recording. <laughs> Quoted from the book, I will kill anyone who harms you, Reese snarled. I will kill them and take a damn long time doing it, he panted. Go ahead. Hate me. Despise me for it. You are my friend, I said, and my voice broke on the word. I hated the friend zone. (laughs) I hated the tears that slipped down my face. I didn't even know why I was crying. Perhaps for the fact that I had felt real on that throne with him. Even for a moment, and and it likely hadn't been, not for him. You're my friend. And I understand that you're a high lord. I understand that you will defend your true court and punish threats against it. But I can't. I don't want you to stop telling me things, inviting me to do things because of the threats against me. Darkness rippled and wings tore from his back. I am not him, Reese breathed. I will never be him. Act like him. He locked you up and let you wither and die. He tried. Stop comparing. Stop comparing me to him. I love that line. The words cut me short. I blinked. You think I don't know how stories get written? How this story will be written? Reese put his hand on his chest, his face more open, more anguished than I'd seen it. I am the Dark Lord who stole away that Bride of Spring. I am a demon and a nightmare, and I will meet a bad end. He is the Golden Prince, the hero who will get to keep you as his reward for not dying of stupidity and arrogance. The things I love have a tendency to be taken from me. He'd admitted that to me under the mountain. But his words were kindly to my temper, to whatever pit of fear was yawning open inside of me. And what about my story, I hissed? What about my reward? What about what I want. Reese asked her what she wanted, and Farah didn't know. When Reese told her she should figure that out, she went off on him. And quoted from the book, Perhaps I don't know what I want, but at least I don't hide what I am behind a mask, I seethed. At least I let them see who I am, a broken bits and all. Yes, it's to save your people, but what about the other mask, Reese? What about letting your friends see your real face? But maybe it's easier not to, because what if you did let someone in, and what if they saw everything and still walked away? Who could blame them? Who would want to bother with that sort of mess? 
That's pretty deep. I gotta say. <laughs> I mean, his friends don't even really know what he went through. No, they have... They don't... She's calling him out for it. Also, I don't know. Like, I love how at the beginning of it, she's like, what do I have to be mad at you over? And then proceeds to get mad. That's what drives me nuts about well, this chapter. Well, he's like, I shouldn't have taken you there. Uh-huh. I had to do so many horrible things and you had to see that and everything. And she's like, no, don't, don't become like Tamlin. Like, don't. And he's just like, I'm not like Tamlin. She's like, I'm not trying to say that. I love it. I love I mean, it. It's a, it, it makes sense. It's a good chapter, but it's just like, ah, like. You're supposed to get frustrated. I mean, at this point in the book. It's the third act breakup. 60%. Communication. <laughs> it's always trouble. Reese flinched. When Farah thought to apologize, he said, let's go home. I love this part because she's like, he flinched. I made the most powerful high lord and Prithian flinched. Just me. You have made the most pa- the high lord of Prithian. <laughs> Feel a lot of things, Miss Pharaoh. You have. More Cassian and Azriel waited at the house. Pharaoh told them goodnight while they ambushed Reese. She headed towards the garden, hoping he would follow. She felt awful about the things she said, the things he had told her in confidence that she had thrown in his face. She realized she was speaking more about herself than him. She knew his anger towards Kier was justified. She knew Reese is not the same as Tamlin. Maybe she'd been using Reese as a distraction for a while now. She wanted wondered if all the flirting had been a distraction for him too. Feyre wanted to try to be something more with Reese. She wasn't sure where it could lead, but she knew she wanted to try. For him, not the High Lord of the Night Court, but simply for himself. Quoted from the book, and it'd be hard, and I was and I was scared it might be difficult to deal with, but I was willing to try with him, to try to be something together. Whether it was purely sex or more, or something between or beyond them, I didn't know. We'd find out. She establishes that she has some kind of feelings mm-hmm. for this, this mm-hmm. person. And I mean, there is that sexual attraction, obviously. Mm-hmm. After what they did in the Court of Nightmares, she knows it's clear. Yeah. And yeah, she's like, I'm healing from this. I think this is a good step. Mm-hmm. The next day, Reese didn't come down for breakfast or lunch. Feyre wrote a note for him saying she needed to talk. When the letter didn't disappear after an hour, she threw it in the fire. The fire. She threw it in the fire. Feyre went to see Amran, who greeted her with, ah, the reason why Reese bit my head off this morning. I love that. I love that she can affect his day. Feyre asked where he was, to which Amran responded he was out hunting whoever attacked him yesterday with the ash arrows. Feyre asked if it was the summer court, and Amran just answered, maybe. Amran told her that that Pharaoh would be going to an Illyrian war camp to wait to see the human queens in two days. Pharaoh asked why they wouldn't go soon, and Amran told her Starfall was tomorrow, and Pharaoh proceeded to ask what Starfall was. Amran simply told her it was a holiday in the night court celebrated instead of Nysar, and the rest was best left a surprise. Pharaoh asked if they would come back from this, and Amran told her not for a while. She knew this meant a long time to an immortal. Before Pharaoh left, Amran told Pharaoh that Reese was a ghost when he returned for Amarantha's clutches, and Pharaoh was fixing that. Amran said she had met many high lords, but none that dreamed of peace like Reese. And Vera told Amran that Reese believed he was the villain of the story. Quoted from the book, but I forgot to tell him, I said quietly opening the door, that the villain is usually the person who locks up the maiden and throws away the key. Oh? I shrugged. He was the one who let me out. When Vera got home, she wrote another note to Reese. 
It never vanished. She tried to write to him again the morning of Starfall saying, is this punishment or do the people in your inner circle not get second chances if they piss you off? You're a hateful coward. It vanished. She waited for a reply, but it never came. I like how it was like nice trying to talk to him, trying to talk to him. And then like the one where she's insulting him is the one he is like, I'll look at it. Well, I mean, she's established like, okay, I have feelings for this guy. And then he's just gone. Aloof. Which I would love to be inside his head throughout this book. Mm-hmm. I don't want I don't want Sarah J. Mouse to write it. I honestly don't want to mm-hmm. be a cash grab. I also want. Yeah. I've seen uh, somebody do uh, the chapters forty eight through fifty. Whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should. That's oh, what we, we write it. <laughs> I've seen I've seen somebody do it, but I think we could do it better. Yeah, <laughs> let's do it next season. Next season, we rewrite Aquabath through Reese's perspective. <laughs> Not all of it. This is a just, chunker. Just a few sections. Yeah. Well, what was he doing? Whoa. Fuck all. That's what he was doing. He was just like brooding in his room the whole time. <laughs> Remember they're playing a game of pool and they was like, help me, help me, help me. And he's like, got a blast. Yeah. yeah. He, had, like, he had like, oh, no, no, no. He had like all the whiskey and stuff and the beer like stacked up like they uh-huh. do in True American and he's getting it ready. And she's, and Farrah goes, help me, help me, help me. And <laughs> Because, <laughs> you know, he says, I was planning on getting R- Roran drunk with Cassian, and he didn't really know why. <laughs> so, he's got, like, all a true American set up. Cassian's holding, like, two beers, and he turns around, and Reese is gone. <laughs> like, he's like, are you ready to shotgun? And then, like, Reese is gone, and he's like, oh. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll get back. Don't let me forget. I'll get back to that. Yeah, Starfall's next. Starfall is next. Love it. Do y'all know what Starfall is? You shouldn't, because you're not well, supposed yeah, to. <laughs> okay, it's time for lunch. Sarah <laughs> does not know. So, I mean, lots of stuff is about to happen in these next couple of episodes. So, yeah. Stay tuned. Come back. Yeah. The content might be short, but the discussions will be long. Have fun. It'll just be us talking in circles, honestly. <laughs> honestly, yeah. I mean, I'll just eat off to the side while you discuss. I have no thoughts right now. <laughs> okay, I think that about wraps it up. Yep. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Let's Call Nothing pod and we will see you next time bye Bye.